You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Late Tea Time, the golf betting podcast that finds the best betting value closer to the first shot being struck than anyone else. Always gamble responsibly. Visit BeGambleAware.org for more information. Welcome to Late Tea Time at the end of day one and moving into day two of the US Open Golf. I'm David Easton, stepping into the breach and what, what large breaches they are uh, from James Butler. Uh, but we're going to be looking ahead to what's going to happen in round two and the rest of the US Open with our man Dave Tyndall. Hello, Dave. How are you? Hello. Um, I'm OK. <clears throat> I'm OK. Just waking up from the night before. It, they do go on these majors, don't they? Um yeah. Particularly, this this is not the greatest of time zones that they're in, but it goes on a little bit later later than usual. Um, what's your feeling after after day one? Yeah, that's a, a pretty broad question. It's it a, is. It's, a, it's weird if you if you didn't um, take much notice yesterday. It's a bit of a weird leaderboard. There's five of the six, five of the top six actually had to come through U.S. Open qualifying. So if you're thinking. I didn't even know he was playing that. That's probably why. Adam Hadwin, okay, you might have thought he'd qualify, but he had to qualify. Uh, Callum Tarran, David Lingworth, Joel Damon, uh, MJ Dafu. So the only big name in there is Rory McIlroy. So he'll be pleased with his start. But there's a there's a start there. If you think, oh well, this is just the opening knock-ins. This is it'll all settle down. There is a, a rather alarming start if you back someone who's a bit further back because. 21 of the last 23 US Open winners were in the top 20 after day one. So you, it's a very hard tournament to play catch-up. And so basically looking at this current leaderboard, unless, because Adam Hadwin shot four under, unless you shot under par yesterday, statistically, David, you've had it. And that's bad news for the likes of Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Schaffele, lots of big names, Matsuyama, Berger, uh, DeChambeau, Spieth, Cantley, Shane Lowry. There's, there's lo- loads of people who think, oh, well, they'll, they'll probably just have a good round today and they're back in it. They're really up against it. I mean, that's over, over 91% of, of uh, winners of the US Open in the last 23 years that have been in the top 20 after day one. So, you've, you know, that does start to limit things whittle it down a bit doesn't it because there's not that many famous names in the top 20 
Now that that is remarkable, really. And you, you'd think if you're going into day two of of any tournament, never mind a major, you think, well, if you if you shot even par, uh, say in the morning of the first round, and then you, you've got different weather conditions, maybe in the second part of the second round might, might be more of a of an open uh, weather forecast, or even a, the Masters, it, it it can have it as well. Um, the U.S. Open, though, traditionally, um, um, am I being too traditional in suggesting that it's not a particularly low scoring? Uh, yeah, no, it's, yeah. So it's it is hard to play catcher, but to, to be fair, that's that's the same in most majors. You've got to be up there from the start. Obviously, we, we spun the storylines that anyone could win from X far back, but you've got to be up there. In terms of how it played yesterday, I did like the course actually. I liked the look of it. I thought it was a good course. The I think there was a feeling that the morning wave had it. A lot easier. It wasn't that much easier. The, the average score in the morning was seventy-two point five one, in the afternoon seventy-three point zero three. So basically, half a shot difference. So nothing dramatic. And the weather forecast today it seems to be steady winds all day. So I don't think there's a, there's much of an advantage in the tea times today. Obviously, as it as it goes on, it gets a bit firmer and faster. But there was still some decent score shot yesterday and obviously Adam had when he was in the late group and he shot the lowest of the lot. So looking at that uh, that kind of top 20, the, those who did shoot under par yesterday, there are there are some big names in there and they might not have gone to uh, three and four under, but the likes of um, John Rams in there and um, uh, Armand Murray, I say Armand, I, I am effectively James Butler for this, uh, Colin Murakawa is in there as well. Um, and just looking at who might be thinking Tell you, I need. I need to be somewhere, not just within firing range of a Saturday, but actually, I need to make a move on a Friday. Is there, is there anyone who you think has, has has shown already? I mean, Justin Rose was had a pretty good week. Yeah, he's, he had a good. He had a good. It was really up and down. If you looked at his scorecard, it was full of birdies and bogeys. I think he made six birdies, four bogeys, something like that. But yeah, just looking at some of the stats, McElroy kind of did it via putting. Not sure that particularly came across on the coverage, but he was he ranked third for strokes game putting. You know, it was pretty terrible around the greens, 131st. So he did it with his putter, which maybe kind of sugarcoats his score a little bit. But isn't, isn't that always a good sign with Rory there if the putter's on fire? It, it is a good sign, but then you'd want everything else to be pretty solid as well. And I say around his short game was a bit iffy. Um off the tee was good, 28th approach, good 15th. It's just, can he keep putting like that? I mean, there's sort of doubts over all of them. Say um, Justin Thomas, he would be one of the ones still within that top 20. He's tied 14th. So he he was a little bit loose around the greens, Justin Thomas, and also off the tee was only 107th, so he didn't drive the ball uh, very well at all. Um, as for Rahm, he, he was fairly. He was. He was the best player off the tee. Ranked first off the tee. His short game wasn't quite as sharp, but I think his his figures look a little bit more robust. But I guess your your point was: Is there anyone else in that top uh, top bunch who who I think might be a bit of value? I think there is. I think there's a player who's minus one, who's won a U.S. Open in recent years and is eighty to one. There you go. See, this is this is this is why I'm here for this kind of revelation. Go on then. Uh, Gary Woodland uh, won at Pebble Beach uh, on a course which had very small greens, as does this one. 
Uh, he, he hit the ball very, really well off the tee, which I think is important this week. He, he ranked fifth for that. 28th around the green. His short game was working. The only maybe average thing was his putter, but this isn't going to be a putting contest. This will be decided uh, tee to green. I, I think that, that's the that's the way US Opens normally are. The putter sort of has to come along a little bit, but it doesn't have to, it's not the be all and end all. So I thought Gary Woodland was a, a bit of a strange old price at 80 to 1. I think he's um, that, that's, your, that, that's your value. If you look down all of them, there's a lot of these who, who, yeah, they might be in their comfort zone for one round or two rounds, but when it comes to the crunch, then I think they'll start to fall away. But why would Gary Woodland fall away, having won the, won the thing only three years ago? Um, just play well on firm, fast courses. You can actually get 100 to 1 with five places at Unibet, but which you, you might think that's the deal. This, for six places, Bet365, Skybet, he's 80 to 1. So I, I think he might just be one of those who hangs tough and he's in a good position, doesn't have to do anything incredible. But if he can just hang tough, hold his own, you could get a nice each way price there. This is Late Tea Time, the golf betting podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Late Tea Time, the last word in golf betting with James Butler and Dave Tyndall. What's the what's the story of this course then? Because I was just looking at um of Callum at Callum Tarrant's round there where he was he was pretty much done and dusted with scoring up and down by by ten and he he, he part the last part the last eight coming in or the, the the back eight. Yeah. Um so you've got to be so and it's pretty similar with Gary Woodland, really. So if you can be solid down the back nine, but there's there seems to be the the, the, the scores to be made on, on the front nine, and it, then if you can pick up anything on the back nine, it, it looks to be uh, where this might be won. Yeah, the, the front nine. It seemed yesterday there was there was a chance towards the end of the back nine, like the par five eighth. That that was a bit of a doddle. We saw quite a few eagles there. It played downwind. Uh, there's, there's a couple of short uh, par fours you can go at. And then the start of the back nine, 10, 11, 12. 11's quite fun. That's, it's a dinky little par three, but it's still quite hard to even so a lot of players still miss the green. 10 and 12 are really hard. So, yeah, I think the plan would be make your score early and then hang on to it a little bit. And is there any value in anyone who's in that, say, bar Rory? Could you see Hadwin, Taron, Lingmuth or, or Darman? Or, or Daffy winning this? Yeah. I think that they'll fall away. So the, the sort of the recipe is to find a, a proven winner of a big tournament who's in the top uh, top twenty right now, and there isn't that many of them. I mean, the ones that are Rory's nine to two. That looks a bit short, given the fact that I think he's leaning on his putter a little bit. Justin Thomas is maybe okay at ten to one, kind of where he's where he was at the start. Ram elevens, yeah, you could say. He's got one under under his belt, more to come. Matthew Fitzpatrick obviously did a lot of good things yesterday. 
But is it 11 to 1, 11 to 1 to win a US Open with three rounds still to go and he's never won in America? A stroke play event? Seems a bit short to me. I mean, he's obviously got that history here, won the US Amateur on this course and loves the place. But it's just whether you can think he can win. And if you're backing him at 11 to 1, the each way element isn't great, is it, compared to, say, Woodland, who's only a shot further back? Yeah, that each way element really, really does come in. If you if you're going for the hundred to one with kind of top five, that's 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 a real shout. Uh, so is that is that what we're looking at moving into, yeah, into round I've, two? I've also got a double, a okay. three ball double, which I'll, it's it's a, a pretty straightforward one, but uh, it comes out at three to one, which is okay. Um, it's Adam Hadwin, the leader, to beat uh, Furyk and Dunlap. Now, Hadwin shot four under Furyk, who won this tournament in 2003. He shot four over, Dunlop shot eight over, so it seems a bit of a mismatch. Um, so that, I mean, he's, he's odds on in places, Adam, odds against in places, which seemed a bit odd to me, Adam Hadwin. It's not like he did it by smoke and mirrors yesterday. He was, he was solid, so I think that's a good bet. And the other one, I don't know if you saw any of the coverage of Phil Mickelson, who just... Looked like he'd never played before. He was, it's, I don't know. Some people say, and it's sad to see others was, was thinking, well, you know. It's not that sad. Yeah. Says <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're right. Uh, <clears throat> so he's he's in a three ball with Shane Lowry and Louis Oosthuizen. So you think, forget Mickelson then. It comes down to Lowry versus Oosthuizen. Oosthuizen's shot seven over. He's another live. He's another live player. He is, isn't he? Yes. So, um, if you fancy a a PGA Tour star against two lives, there's your bet. Uh, beyond that, yeah, it's just that Lowry. Lowry played pretty well. Tita Green yesterday. Just his putting was really frustrating. But if he can iron that out, so Lowry's nineteen to twenty. So, so you pair Hadwin and Lowry up, you get three to one, which seems pretty good to me because there's. A lot of their opponents just seem, you know, they're not really involved. So I thought that's quite a good double at three to one. I thought about maybe can we get a treble out of it, but I kept thinking, well, I could see two out of this. Yeah, I couldn't see one where there's there's a player clearly with a head start over the other two. So yeah, Hadwin and Lowry double at three to one. That's with Labbrokes, by the way. Okay, we'll take that uh, second round three ball double at three to one, and we'll look at Gary Woodland as well. Uh, looking each way, uh, 80 to 1 uh, if you want top 6 or a possibility of 100 to 1 with a top 5 finish. Uh, Dave, enjoy the second round. We'll be back. Uh, I won't be. Uh, James Butler will be back presenting at late tea time for uh, another uh, in-between round special podcast. And uh, yes, enjoy the second round. It's um, It seems to be, it might well be boiling up to something quite interesting this one, Dave. Not that they're not interesting all the time, but this is a, it's a good course, isn't it? Yeah, I think as soon as I saw it, I thought, yeah, I like this course. It's it's um, it seemed to strike a nice balance yesterday. There were holes where you thought, oh, they can get they can get birdies, maybe an eagle here. But then you looked at the scoreboard, and no one got away. I think no one ever got to minus five or six and came back. Everyone was just fighting it a little bit, and yeah, and I think it will play even harder today. So yeah, it should be good fun. Excellent stuff. Okay, well, enjoy the second round, uh, everybody. Uh, please gamble responsibly. Uh, be gambleaware.org for more information on that. Late tea time will return uh, as we will make the cut between 
round two and round three. We'll see you then. Always gamble responsibly. Visit BeGambleAware.org for more information. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.